Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 124. Hey, this is Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. If you want to learn how to rub shoulders with your role models, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but First, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB. And in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime. So I'll catch you there or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Pat Flynn. Pat is a father, husband, and entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, California. He owns several successful online businesses and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcasts, which have earned a combined total of over 50 million downloads, multiple awards, and features in publications such as the New York Times and Forbes. He is also an advisor for Lead Pages, ConvertKit, and other companies in the digital marketing arena. Pat, welcome to the show man. Super excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're most excited about right now? 
Hey, you know, thank you for having me here. I'm excited about being here. I just love podcasting. I love connecting with other podcasters. And thank you all for listening in. But I'm really excited about, man, there's so many things going on. I have a lot of irons in the fire right now from online courses to I'm starting to add webinars into my promotional efforts. But I'm actually working on a really cool Kickstarter campaign for an anniversary edition of a book that I wrote a while back. And this book is important because it talks about how I got laid off from architecture. I got let go from my job there, which was my dream job. I got let go. And I turned some knowledge I had about an architectural exam into a thriving online business. And that was really the first time I had made any sort of money online and started working for myself. And now this book, which covers that story, it's going to be kickstarted on June 17th, 2018 with like a hardcover edition, really, really well done. And that's important because that's a 10-year anniversary from the day I was told I was going to be laid off. And so I celebrate that day every year. We call it Let Go Day because it's a 10-year anniversary. We're doing this big book promo and it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to celebrate together. Yes. Celebrating Let Go Day. Uh, I feel like that should be made a national holiday almost. That's just like a really good concept. So tell me a little bit about that story, a little bit of a teaser there. For those people in, the, in my audience, the three of them that don't know who you are or follow your stuff, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into that. So you are growing up obviously in Western culture, thinking that the only way to become successful is college and then career and stuff like that. And then there's a big surprise. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be an architect. I always knew that. And I went to college at UC Berkeley. And it was actually through a connection I had in the marching band at Cal that landed me my dream job right after I graduated. So I worked for a really well-known architecture firm in the Bay Area, was excelling there, was doing everything I was supposed to be doing and more. I was the youngest person to be promoted to job captain, very close to starting my architectural licensures. In those exams, I was taking a number of other exams. And then June 17th, 2008 came around. It's called into my boss's office. He says, hey, Pat, you know, it's been great to have you here. You're just so impressive. But unfortunately, we have to let you go. And that really sucked because I dedicated my whole life to that. I was doing way more than I was asked of so that I could have this job as a secure one that could keep me moving forward. And I still got laid off. Now, a lot of you probably remember 2008. That was a big downturn in the economy. And I kind of went down with it. Now, luckily, I had gotten involved with a actually it was a podcast that introduced me to the concept of online business. And there was one particular podcast, it was called Internet Business Mastery. And there was one episode in particular that really struck me. And that was an episode where they interviewed a guy named Cornelius, who was making six figures a year, helping people pass the project management exam, the PM exam. And I was like, what? Like, this is insane. And I have some knowledge about an exam. Could I ever do this? And so to make a long story short, I ended up building a website to help, you know, as I was taking this exam myself, I had collected a whole bunch of notes and I started to put all that stuff online, started to share more information I started to connect with a lot of people in that way. I got really well known in some forums that were involved in architecture, helping people pass this exam. And naturally, people just came over to my site. And eventually, everybody was like, Pat, you should write a study guide. I need some help. Like, I would buy it from you. And I was like, really? Like, no way. Like, I didn't even get a perfect score on the exam. Like, who am I to even do this? But I did it after getting a lot of help from the Internet Business Mastery community and other people doing online business, including Cornelius himself, actually. And I launched that in October of 2008. And that little ebook, which was $19.95, made $7,908.55 that month. Wow. And the income just continued to grow. I, I added more products and more help. I connected with other companies that sold in-person courses. I connected with an online exam simulator website and I made affiliate income through that recommendation. And it just started to grow and grow and grow. And that business even today still continues to run, although I don't ever touch it anymore. It's passive income, truly. 
And at the end of 2008, people were asking me, how did you do this? Like, how did you survive the layoff? A lot of my architecture friends were asking me and I was like, you know what? I need to share this information. I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't think I could do it, let alone it even existing. And so I'm going to share everything and everything I know, everything I learned, everything I wish I'd done differently. And that's where smart passive income came from. And like you mentioned earlier, it's grown to something quite big and I've been featured on many publications and I have this podcast that's just going ballistic now. And I'm just so thankful because I get to using my platform at Smart Passive Income, I've built new businesses publicly and show people what I do and how I do it. And sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't, but it's always a lesson for everybody. And I'm just stoked because I get to just have fun. And more than anything, really, the way that I've built my businesses and because they're online specifically, because I have software and systems in place and automation helping me, very much inspired by Tim Ferriss in the 4-Hour Workweek, I'm now able to live a flexible life. It's not completely hands-off, the businesses I have. Actually, none of them are 100% hands-off. I still check things every once in a while, and I still am building new things. I'm still working hard. But when I want to, I mean, I can just take a week off and go to Disneyland with my family. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I have more time and flexibility to spend with my family. I have two young kids, five and eight, and been there to witness all their firsts. And that's what I try to help other people achieve. And you know, my wins are when I get emails or thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes from people saying, man... Pat, like you helped me start a business, but not only that, you're allowing me to spend more time with my kids or you've saved my marriage because now money isn't an issue for me and my wife or me and my husband anymore. Like those are, that's why I do what I do now. And so it's just crazy this journey I've been on. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. How important was that first $20 ebook sale to you? It was everything. Actually, let me tell you about that story really quick. So I launched that book. I had worked like a month and a half on creating this ebook and I put it on my website like everybody was telling me to and it was 2 a.m. 
And I woke up at like 6 a.m. because I was too excited. And I checked my sales and there were no sales. And I was like, oh, like, what am I getting myself into? It's not working. But of course, it was only four hours and it was overnight. So, okay. (laughs) I gave myself a little bit of extra time. So 8 o'clock rolls around, 8.30 rolls around. I continuously check my email. There are no sales. And then 8.40 a.m. rolls around and I get my first notification email from PayPal. And I'm like, what? And it was for $19.95. Minus like a dollar eighteen for PayPal fees or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was just ecstatic. I could not believe it actually happened. But here's the thing: I didn't celebrate that much because immediately my head started going, "What if this person asks for a refund? What if they sue me? What if what am I even doing?" Like I, it was just so new to me just to see that happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, luckily that person didn't email me back. Actually, I was kind of close to hyperventilating because it was just so weird. And I went outside to take a walk. I came back 15 minutes later, and there had been another sale while I was out on a walk, and that was like, wow. Like I was on a walk and I made money, but of yeah. course I put all that work and effort ahead of time. So it wasn't like just out of nowhere, but it was so important because, you know, the first one turns into the first two, which turns into the first 10. And then you kind of just get going from there. I think it just really opened up the fact that, wow, I did it. I can actually yeah. do it. The realization which, that it was possible. Mm-hmm, which opens up everything else. Yeah. So from there, when you created all of this, were you still in the mindset of like, all right, well, I'll put some stuff out there, but I really got to find a job. Or was it like, I'm fully committing, I'm going to be successful in this and let's do it. I went to a job interview for another architecture firm in early 2009, just because like you said, I wasn't really sure what this was or how long it was going to go. Was it a flash in the pan? I have no idea. I'd never done anything like it before. And I had done something so secure yet still got let go before Mm -hmm. I have to consider what my other options are. And I just, you know, I spent five years in school for architecture. It's what I knew. I didn't, all this stuff was new to me and it was scary. So I did go back and look for a job. And luckily I didn't get hired for whatever reason. And not only that, like, I think in the back of my head, I always wondered like, well, how long is this going to last? But in May of 2009, I think it was May or April of 2009, I got a call from my boss, the same boss who let me go from the architecture job. Mm -hmm. And he had actually removed himself from the firm. He started his own small firm. He brought with him a few of the coworkers who I was really good friends with. He also brought along some of the clients that I was previously working with. And he said, Pat, I want you to come work for me. I know things were crazy last year, but I want you to come work for me. I will get you an office space. I will give you a raise. You know, you'll make more money than you were before. You'll have your old clients. You'll see your old friends. And I'll pay for one year's rent for free for you. Wow. And it didn't take me three seconds to say, Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) I don't know why that was my initial reaction. I didn't know then, but I hung up and I was like, what the hell kind of decision was that? Like, I didn't even think about it. Right. And then I realized that probably means I know that this is the next new direction for me. Because I would have said yes to that like two months prior. Right, right. There's always that threshold where it's like, man, you, you think you know what you want, but it's really probably what a lot of people tell you that you want. And then you actually do something that you enjoy and you're like, wait a second, even if I made more money doing that, I would not want to give up what I'm doing right now. So you mentioned when you were first selling the eBooks that you started getting nervous that people were going to like return them or sue you or not get any value and be really upset (laughs) and all this kind of stuff, which is obviously just a really bad case of imposter syndrome. How do we stomp that down? Like, I know that there's somebody listening to this right now that needs to hear this. How do you just overcome that and keep pushing forward? Well, number one, it's natural to feel that way. Number two, I still feel that with new things that I do. So it's not necessarily something that ever goes away. But number three, and here's the important thing, you have to realize that through anything, the imposter syndrome is just 
a way for you to validate whether or not what you are doing is actually valuable. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, a check-in mechanism with yourself. Like, so when I feel that in my gut or in my throat or wherever it is, it allows me to go, okay, like, is what I'm doing actually something that's going to help people? Is it something that is valuable that can change a person's life? Am I actually serving through what I'm doing? And if the answer is, well, you know what? No, then I really easily know to listen to those feelings and react accordingly. But if I truly know that what I'm doing is actually of service and to help people, especially if some people have already gotten help from that already, well, then it's really easy for me to say, I'm just lying to myself right now. Like, let's just keep going. Now let's continue through the narrative here. So you get laid off, you sell these eBooks, you start making money, your old boss calls you back, offers you a much better job, turn it down. What does it look like after that? Like, when did you really start seeing a lot of your material, your content start like getting a lot of traction? Well, with the lead exam website, which you can find at greenexamacademy.com, that stuff was just kind of becoming well-known in the industry and It was cool because I found it on other forums, including United States Green Building Council organization forums. So they were like linking to it. It was a great resource. And that's how I knew and validated that this thing was actually helpful. Like they wouldn't share it unless it was. The other interesting thing was that in May or June, the United States Green Building Council, the organization that writes the exam questions, they came out with their own study guide. And Uh, that was really scary. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like, why would people buy from... Pat Flynn, somebody who didn't even get a perfect score on the exam. I'm just like a regular Joe Schmo. Why would they buy from me versus the actual people who write the exam question? Like I thought I was done for. I was about ready to start looking for other architecture jobs. But the craziest thing happened. That was my record month. I never sold more guides and made more money than in that month. Wow. And I just couldn't understand it. Like I thought it was done for, but the opposite happened. And the reason for that was because I actually asked my customers kind of in a non-direct way, hey, why did you go with my guide instead of some of the other guides that are out there? I didn't mention theirs, but I just kind of you know hinted at that. And I got the response, which kind of blew my mind, which was like, Pat, I feel like you're my friend. I know who you are and I trust you. And you are just like me, just a few steps ahead. Those kinds of responses. And some people even said that they even called out the other guides, including this the United States Green Building Council when they said, you know, I don't like, I know they write the exam questions, but you took the exam and you know exactly where I'm going to be versus these guys who are faceless and nameless. They're just an organization. And that is when I started to, on Smart Passive Income, inject a lot of more of myself in there. Because even on Smart Passive Income, when I started, it was very much just like write articles, not many pictures of me, not really talking about like me beyond the business. Mm-hmm. I started to to talk more about like my family and my goals and my mission in life and like the feelings I was having doing all this. And people really connected with that. And I think because on Smart Passive Income, I'm, you can easily tell that I'm not like the guy talking about online business in front of a Ferrari or in front of a mansion. <laughs> yeah. Like people are like, this guy's real. And, and I am. And I want people to see that fully and make a decision to work with me based on like numbers and lessons and information, not hype and flash and stuff that's just not my personality. Yeah. Tell us about how that realization really affected your brand going forward. I've always wanted to understand how I can better connect with my audience because relationships are really the most important thing, as most of your listeners know. And online, it's a little bit easy to forget that because you're hiding behind a, a blog or hiding behind a podcast or hiding behind an email list or a website or a brand. Mm -hmm. But when you can put yourself out there and begin to make real connections with people, 
I mean, things start to happen. And a very good application of this thought was on my podcast. When I started my podcast in July of 2010, I made an effort to have my voiceover guy. So I, I have like a voiceover guy, not me, but he reads, you know, the intro of the show in the beginning. And in the middle of that, which is only 15 seconds, he shares a little random fact about me, like just completely random and for 10 seconds. The funny thing was when I was sharing with my podcast mentors and my other friends who were podcasting, I was like, guys, I got this great idea. I'm just going to have my voiceover guy read a random fact about me. It's going to be pretty fun. And I just want to connect with my audience. And they were like, dude, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of their, like, they don't care about the fact that like you were born in December. Like nobody cares about that. But here's the thing. I did it anyway. And those little facts are some of the most talked about things when people talk to me about the podcast. They go, Pat, dude, you mentioned in one of those facts that you were half Filipino. My brother-in-law is half Filipino and now we have this connection or the fact that I play fantasy football and they go, Pat, how's your fantasy football team this year? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it because it wasn't very good this year. <laughs> you know, little things like that, like yeah. even the, the born in December thing, you know, I talk about how I'm a Sagittarius in one of them and people are like, I'm a Sagittarius too. Like we're like, just like, you know, when you go to a conference and you talk to people for the first time, it's very surface level and that's how it is online too. But yeah. the moment there's that like small connection, you hang on to that person. If you find somebody at a conference who you don't know, but they went to the same school as you, like same university or college, you have some experiences that are shared, even though you have never met each other before. And that means a lot. And you can take that moving forward. You become friends, you build relationships, those become partnerships, all those kinds of things because of those little tiny things. And now, for example, one thing that most of my audience knows me for is Back to the Future. And so now when Back to the Future, because I talk about it all the time and it's my favorite movie, yeah. whenever it comes on, people are triggered to think about me. And now I'm in their lives, they're thinking about my brand, even when I'm not there. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's Back to the Future. And there is another, you're a big fan of Star Wars too, right? Yeah, big fan of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's the kind of stuff that I saw. And I was like, oh man, that's something that we could connect about because I was a total Star Wars nerd growing up. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and kind of a closet Star Wars nerd now. Me the fourth be with you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That was actually very, very recent. If you're listening to this and it's a way past the fourth. Yeah. It's like really close to it right now. But yeah. So the really cool thing about all of this is all of this ties into the topic of the show, which is networking. You mentioned conferences, you mentioned people coming up and starting conversations. What is like one of the worst opening conversation lines that somebody's ever used on you? Like to where it's like, oh my goodness, man, like you didn't even try. And what are some of the best ways to really connect with you? <laughs> So it was the first time I spoke. It was 2011 in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I was really nervous, but I wanted to do a good job. So I did a lot of rehearsal and I actually was supposed to do a breakout session. So in the middle of the conference, but the keynote, he had gotten sick or something. So the founder, who was a good friend of mine, asked me to do the final keynote. So I was even more scared than wow. ever. Yeah. And I was in the hallways talking to people because I knew that talking to people would help me feel a little bit more comfortable, take my mind away from what I was about to do. And it was about a couple of hours before the talk. So I was kind of in my getup already, like with a, with a suit and tie and stuff. And this guy comes up to me. He goes, hey, Pat, you know, I hear you're doing the keynote. Your tie looks really bad. Like, let me fix that tie for you. And in front of everybody, he started to like take my tie off and retie it for me. <laughs> and I know he wanted to just help because, but I don't know if he was like trying to be a fatherly figure or something, but I was just super embarrassed. And I was like, dude, like you're just, like, I don't even know you and you're already telling me something I'm doing wrong right before I'm about to do something I'm really scared of. Like, no. <laughs> and getting so all that, up close and personal. Yeah. <laughs> he was like touching my neck and I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. Like, I can't 
ever forget him. And <laughs> if I see him, I'm going to go the other way. So that's probably the worst opening I've heard yeah, or done or felt. Or felt or been a part of or experienced or heard. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that was even a better story than I was thinking it was going to be. So that was fantastic. <laughs> okay. So now that we know the way not to do it. So if you see Pat at an event, do not go up and try to retie his tie. Just leave it right. alone. Yeah. Just give me a clip on. Yeah, exactly. So what would be a good way to do it? What would be a way that you really enjoy connecting with people over? Well, I love when people have in some way, shape or form consumed my content and gotten some value out of it and told me how they actually applied it. Like that to me means a lot that they didn't just find me and say, yeah, I'm going to stick around and listen, read or watch this guy. They didn't just watch and read or listen to that thing but they actually applied it. And that to me means more than anything. And I'm going to have a longer conversation with somebody in my audience who has applied something, who has gotten results one way or another. I'm going to want to help that person even more. They become like the teacher's pet, right? And the teacher's mm -hmm. pet, the teacher loves them because they're doing the things and they're getting results. And you know whether that becomes something that gets shared later or not, doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm with my people at that point, right? So in terms of like the approach, you know, I think just a simple handshake with respect to who else I might be talking to. I've had people when I'm in a conversation kind of just literally interrupt the conversation I'm having and go, Pat, I just want to say hi. Like, thank you. So like that to me is, is pretty rude. You know, I think interrupting and you got to be patient and wait for your time. But I, yeah. you know, some people are more aggressive than others. Me personally, I notice those things because that means that they think they're more important than the person I'm speaking to right now, which is, I mean, that doesn't matter. You wait your turn, right? Right. Right. So there's that. And I understand why it's important to, to go up and, and speak to somebody and just do it, but you got to do it at the right time. But whenever anybody can tell me how I've helped them, that's huge for me. Then I want to help you back. It's right. when the people who start off well immediately just turn to, okay, now I have a question. Like, I want you to help me in my business or I want you to do this for me. I want, like, yeah. we have introduction for me. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, show me what value can you provide me so I will want to provide value back for you. That's kind of the approach. And, you know, honestly, the, the people who don't even talk about business are the ones who I want to help out the most later. Is the question, I've talked to a couple people about this. I'm curious to hear your feedback on it. What do you think about the question, hey, Pat, how do I add value to you? I don't mind that. I mean, when they say it that way specifically, it's like, okay, yeah, it's very obvious that there's a hidden the, agenda. There's a hidden agenda because specifically right. you're using the word value, which mm -hmm. you hear everywhere. And that's just a sign that you want to give me something for something in return. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, the easiest question is just go, hey, how can I help you? Mm. Or is there anything I can help you with right now? That's adding value without explicitly basically mentioning why you want that value. Whatever the answer is after that's fine. It's just the approach. But yeah, I think yeah. there's a way to ask that question in a way where you can grow together and develop a relationship or one that just kind of immediately tells the next person kind of why that question is being asked and what the agenda really is. Are these guidelines that you think, quote unquote, guidelines that we're talking about, do you think that these are pretty much all across the board? Or do you think there's something that's like works specifically for you? What I'm asking, I guess, is like when you go to a conference and you're trying to connect with somebody that you admire and respect and consume their content, how do you approach that situation? Hmm, great question. I will start with anybody I know who knows that person. Okay. Because I know that an introduction is worth more than kind of a cold meeting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I try to look for those connections with people who I know. And if it's like the director of the conference, you know, that person can make a big impact on an initial impression that I have with somebody who I've been looking to meet. That goes a really long way. So if ever possible, some sort of connection that I can make. And it's not very hard to do that. So I might just ask, you know, you know just I'll make up a name. Like I'll ask my friend, Mike, hey, Mike, Josh over there, he 
is somebody I would love to connect to because we share a lot of experience together in the startup world as advisors to companies. I'd just love to get to know him maybe later this evening or something. If we have the chance, could you introduce us? That'd be awesome. Hmm. That's it. That's all you have to do. And, you know, you just kind of go from there. Other times, yeah, that person might be at a bar at a, you know, in a meeting or something. If they're like having lunch and engaged in conversation, I know that's not the right time. It's when they're in, in, you know, walking through the halls or another great spot is to, if they're sitting down at an event and uh, we're kind of waiting for things to start, that's always a good time to start, you know, filling in time with just, hey, Josh, wanted to introduce myself really quick. My name is Pat Flynn. I know you're in the startup world and you know, I advise a couple of companies too. I just want to say hi. And I heard about you a lot. And I, I think what you're doing is really cool. Yeah. Boom. Done. I'm in. And it's not evasive because we're both sitting there waiting anyway. And, you know, so I just try to kind of sit near those people. And it doesn't always work out that way, that smoothly. Right. But, you know, you're giving yourself the chance for it too. And would that be a good time maybe even to say something like, hey, I know that, you know, this, whatever it is that we're looking for, that this is about to get started and they're about to get things rolling. But look for me later. I'd like to ask you a quick question about, your book or whatever yeah. you're trying to connect over. Would that be a good idea or you think that's asking too much? I think it's a good idea except the look for me part because you're now telling this person who you just met to do something more than they were supposed to do. I think the proper way to do it would be, and again, this is just me. Totally. This is just how I would do it. Mm -hmm. I would go, hey, you know, we're about to start or Cliff's about to start the presentation here. Do you mind if I follow up with you later today and just I'll find you? I'd just love to chat with you about your book really quick because I want to help promote it to my audience. Hmm. So a couple things there. One, I'm not giving them any more work than they already had to do. I will find them later. That's on me. Mm -hmm. And number two, I'm sharing them a little bit about what that conversation is going to be about. So it's just not who's this random guy. And number three, I'm giving them a little bit of a note on the kind of value I'm going to provide for them by having this conversation. I'm going to promote his book to my audience. Yeah, so totally. now I have something that I'm giving him as well. That's how it is online. You know, you want to be a giving person and then see what happens from there as opposed to just a taking person. Right. Right. Is there any conversation that you've had like at some sort of a conference, an event or something like that that's really stuck out to you as somebody just did a great job of connecting with you? I feel like if the answer to that question is a yes, it's probably become more than just a random connection at an event. It's probably turned into like some more of a collaboration or friendship in some sort. Would I be wrong or right or anything? No, you're right. I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head because a lot of people do this very well, you know, and these just become normal relationship building experiences at these conferences because I meet a lot of people and a lot of people do it right. And, you know, sometimes those relationships grow to much bigger and it at least, if anything, allows us to pick up that conversation after the networking event is over. So I remember that person and we can do a follow-up of some kind. And, you know, I remember the ones where it seems more meaningful or had, there's some sort of connection related to our businesses or outside of business that can be made. So I can't think of anybody in particular, but yeah, some of those have grown to partnerships and joint ventures. And some of them have become just really good friends who, you yeah. know, our businesses don't align, but, you know, we chat and we, whenever we're at the same conference, like we see each other and, you know, sometimes we do activities together when we're there or we sit next to each other at the dinners or, you know, wherever. And that's good too. I mean, that's valuable. Yeah. I know you and my mentor, John Lee Dumas are really close and you guys met at an event. Is that right? We did. And that was through a connection with, like I talked about earlier, another person. And that's okay. Jamie Masters, who Got introduced it. John to me, which definitely made me want to pay more attention to John. And then John was somebody who, I don't know if it was random or somehow he, he made it happen, but he was a person I selected at that event that I spoke at. He was in the audience. So he was clearly there. I, I saw him. I recognized him because we had met earlier. So that was a good thing because he, he was right up there up front. And then when I asked for Q&A... He raised his hand and because he was up front and because I remembered him, 
of course I called on him. And that wasn't planned or anything, or not at least on my end or what I understand, but mm-hmm. he put himself in a position to build a relationship with me and provide value and just show up and be recognized and, and at least get on my radar. And that was his first podcast interview out of the however many thousand he's done now. I was interview number one. I wouldn't have done that if it was just some random person. Yeah, that's actually the first time that I heard about you was I turned on to John's content from a buddy of mine of a couple of years back and just started consuming. I was like, hey, I wonder what his beginning episode sounded like. Went all the way back to the beginning, found that, started following you and got consumed in this whole world. So nice. it's like this deep, deep abyss of podcasting and internet marketing now that I'm heavily, heavily involved in and that I follow on a regular basis. And it's so cool to sometimes track those connections back to where things started. And that's what's fascinating to me about my show is that I'm able to do that with people. So this is a question I ask every single guest that comes on the show, Pat. Curious to hear your answer to it. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? It's who you know, because you can know everything in the world, but if you don't have anybody to share that with or anybody to help or anybody to connect with. I mean, it's kind of useless. And when you know more people, you get access to a lot more information, but not just information. You get access to a lot more experiences. Hmm. In the business world, the best way to learn is to not just like go and download a course or, you know, obviously information's everywhere. You can go to YouTube to learn something. But when you find a person who you can connect with, whether it's for real connection or just virtually you connect with them because of their vibe, and you know that they have done something that you've wanted to do, well, now they have not just information to help you get there, but they have their own experiences in a way that vibes with you and who you are that will make it more likely that you actually succeed in whatever it is that you choose to do. This is why mentors and coaches are really important because those people have done those things that you want to do. Any good sports guy or gal will, you know, if they want to improve, where do they go? They, they don't just go to YouTube to learn. They find a coach, mm-hmm. a person who's right. been there to work them through those things, however big or small they need help with. It's about who you know. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the people I know. I think back to every single big moment in my business, in my life, it's been a result of the people I've connected with. Even back to when I got my architecture job. Remember earlier I said I got a job as a result of a connection in the marching Mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. So I was a student director of the marching band. I was just finishing up school as, you know, a senior architect. And as a student director, I was one of five on the executive committee in the band. And every year, I didn't know this, every year, those five people, myself included, the drum major, executive director, student director, who is me, treasurer, all those kinds of people, we get invited to this restaurant next to Pac Bell Stadium or AT&T Stadium. I can't remember. It's the giant stadium. There's a restaurant there in San Francisco called Momo's Cafe. Mm -hmm. And Momo's Cafe is owned by a guy named Pete who was a person who marched as a sousaphone player back in the 70s. And so he invites the executive committee every single year and these college kids who are seniors. And we just have a dinner like nobody else is in the restaurant except us. And he goes around the table and asks us questions and just wants to get a pulse on the band and how it's going. And he also asks us like what our major is. When it's my turn, I said, yeah, my name is Pat. I'm an architect major. I look forward to doing architecture. I really like actually your restaurant because I want to get into restaurant and hospitality. And he's like, Pat, that's cool. I'm going to connect you with my friend, John McNulty, who is the principal of MBH Architects in Alameda, California, just over the bridge here. And I said, wow, that's cool. And then of course, after that, I was like, you know, people say that all the time, like they're just nice. And I don't know if this is going to happen, but he, I didn't even give him my phone number. Like I was stupid. I didn't even know like that was even possible, but he called somebody at Cal to get my phone number and gave it to John McNulty. And two days later, I got a call from John McNulty. And then I 
went in for an interview and then I got a spot as a beginner drafter, entry-level drafter at MBH Architects in the restaurant division. And it was because of the marching band. That's why I love this show because I love getting into how these connections have actually been able to bring people to where they are. And it seems like every single time I sit down and talk with someone that's done as well as, as you have, it seems to all go back to the fact that they are good at cultivating connections and making relationships and not just good at it, but they place a high value on that. You mentioned earlier mentorships, coachings and stuff like that. How valuable do you think it is to pay for mentorships or coaching or masterminds or anything like that? You know, I'm in two mastermind groups. None of them are paid. I have a coach. I do pay him. And that's because that was the only way to get access to him. But it's not necessarily a payment. It's just the commitment to work with that person or that group of people. Hmm. I'm in two mastermind groups. Each one has been around for over five years. We meet every single week. So every single week for five years wow. with you know a week missed here or two for vacations and stuff. But that's how important it is. Absolutely important. And I want you to all also know that I'm an introvert. And you know, a lot of people might be saying, you know, well, Pat sounds super excited and he just seems like a guy that just puts himself out there. And that's definitely not the case. I'm an introvert. I go home from these conferences and I just want to sit in bed and watch Netflix and not talk to anybody. Like that's when I get my energy back. Right. Being around a lot of people sucks energy out of me, but I do it anyway because I know how important these relationships are and these connections. Every person you meet is a new opportunity or opportunities that can open up something in your life or change your life in some way, shape or form. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't at least get out there and start meeting people and thinking about, well, what's the worst that can happen? That's how I get over it. I go, well, if I try to go up to that person, like I get sweaty palms and I get nervous, like I do try to stop myself, but then I go, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. They say no, or I can't right now or whatever. They're not going to like beat me with a base, like exactly. what? That <laughs> the wor- the worst case scenario has already happened if you don't do it. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Amen. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, totally. Well, Pat, I say this almost at the end of every show because I always like get sad when I have to stop the conversation, but we are running out of time here. So I do want to move on to the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick, random questions with some quick, random answers. You ready? Yep. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Banana. (laughs) If you wanted random answers, right? Yeah, that was right up the alley of this round. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. you win. No, yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's move on. If I had another profession, I would love to just in I know this sounds silly, but I would love to be a professional esports player. Ah. Cuz I was really big into video games. Yeah, yeah. They were a passion of mine growing up. I met a lot of people and a lot of friends through the video games that I played and esports. Like I'm pretty competitive, so I'd love to do some of that kind of stuff. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Benjamin Franklin. He did so much to change education here in the U.S. I'd want to ask him because this is a big passion of mine now that I have two kids and I'm trying to do things to bring entrepreneurship into the world of education in public schools. I'd want to ask him, hey, like, number one, Ben, thanks for all you do, you know, $100 bill, all that stuff. But really, now that you see where the world is at now, this is obviously something that you didn't think would happen, us getting to this point. Mm -hmm. What would you do now to make sure that our kids are ready for the future now that you see how fast it's going? I'd love to know his perspective on where we're at now and where we think we should go. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? It changes. It varies. It's all of them. But I get into little phases. So some phases, it's audiobooks. 
other phases, it's, you know, I go on a podcasting binge, listen. But most of the time, it's just, you know, on YouTube. And because YouTube's a space where I'm putting a lot of content and time into right now. So I'm just kind of involved there. And I like to watch YouTube, not just for consuming content and being entertained, but also how the top channels provide content, how they're growing so that I can grow too. What is something that you've consumed recently, book, audiobook, podcast, whatever you want to say, that you would recommend to the audience? Oh, interesting. So random book, not business related or anything, but it's, it's called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And it's about the history of essentially us humans and kind of where we came from. It really kind of explains a lot of why we are the way we are. It's just kind of really insightful and interesting. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So morning, I wake up, I go downstairs and I, what do I do? Man, it changes. So I use Miracle Morning, which is Hal Elrod's sort of Mm -hmm. sequence of things you do. And it changes because the kids get up at different times. But typically I'll get up, I'll get a super large glass of water with lemon in it which helps for the digestive system. Then I go on the bike for like 10 minutes just to get the heart going. And if there's sun outside at this point, I'll go outside and get some sun. Those are all important things that I've found that give me energy for much longer periods of the day. So I kind of like, it's just something I do. And then I'll do meditation and journaling. So I use my five minute journal to write down a few things, which I absolutely love to do. It's just really quick, but it helps me sort of set things up for a good day. And then I also do seven minutes of meditation that's using an app called Muse, M-U-S-E, which actually uses a little device that you put on your head for direct feedback on whether or not you're actually doing it right or not, and actually not active brain, but more just kind of relaxed and focused. And then typically at that point, the kids get up and then I make them breakfast. We read a little bit in the mornings and then we take them to school. Both my wife and I take the kids to school. And then after that, I have some time to get some work done, whether it's podcasting, which is on Mondays, video shooting, which is on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, I have my meetings during that time. Thursdays and Fridays, more cleanup days. I kind of take care of whatever needs to be taken care of that wasn't. So that's kind of how I structure my week and my mornings. Yeah. And uh, I can second that Muse thing. I actually picked one up on your recommendation. I heard, I think it was on John's show or John told me that you recommended something like that. And I I picked one Mm -hmm. of those up and I really like using that Cool. because I've never, man, it's so hard for me just to like sit and just like think about nothing. But yeah, the guided (laughs) meditation helps me so much. What is your go-to pump-up song? Right now, it's Better Now by Post Malone. What is something that you are not very good at? Tennis, which Mm. makes me really sad. (laughs) Because I'm pretty good at most sports that I play, but for whatever reason, I'm just terrible at tennis. I either hit the net or I go over the fence in the back. I cannot, for whatever reason, just I've always struggled with it. What is something that makes you laugh? My kids all the time. (laughs) And it's not just because they look funny, but it's because they... (laughs) They do funny things and they say the craziest things. And it's just, I don't know, that more than anything, I love that. As we get everything wrapped up here, Pat, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? So right now, the most would likely be on YouTube, actually. Again, like I said, that's where I'm putting most of my efforts into right now, which you can find me at youtube.com slash Pat Flynn. But really everything I do, including the businesses I run and how much money I'm making from each of them and all the things I'm up to, you can find them at smartpassiveincome.com. So go check out some of Pat's content that he's putting out there. Seriously, if you have not heard his stuff, you need to be following his podcast, his YouTube channel. Head over to youtube.com slash Pat Flynn or just to smartpassiveincome.com to follow everything that he's putting out there. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I had a blast chatting with you. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, everybody. 
That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.